0: Pause for thought and join in the barking with Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog.
1: Hey, there's nothing better on a Sunday morning than waking up with a nice cup of coffee and listening to the radio. And hey, you get the chance to listen to our canine behavioural spot with Roman Travers on the Sunday Cafe on Magic Talk FM. Stay tuned.
2: Relax and unwind, but stay informed. It's the Sunday Café on Magic Talk. By now you'll be getting to know your dog in a whole new light, right? You and your dog probably getting on like a house on fire or not. And your dog's probably wondering why you never head off to work these days. Darren Rowe is a dog behaviourist with Mindfulness for Dogs and makes time with me here on the Sunday Café when you can because you're a busy chap, aren't you, Darren? Honestly.
1: I am, yeah. I'm actually quite busy online at the moment which wasn't something I would have expected to be.
2: What, like dating (laughs) sites?
1: Uh, not quite that one, um, but no, certainly um, like consultations and uh, classes. It's quite bizarre running a class online when you can when you've just got the video screen in front of you and you've got ten, twelve people there.
2: That would <laughs> be bizarre. very challenging. Does it have some it advantages is. sometimes? Oh well, it's it's great because there, there's less distraction for the dog for one.
1: So hmm. people are saying that they're actually learning more. Um, which is always a good thing, isn't it? Um, mm. But but there's a whole um I think the whole of the dog training uh, um, fraternity are having to deal with all these technological problems. Now I'm I'm pretty techy, I guess, but mm. there's still things that I don't really understand. But I'm really getting to grips with the the Zoom. I love Zoom. It's fantastic, isn't it? It is
2: good. We <laughs> use Zoom and Webex, and it's I'm actually sick to death of Webex meetings. Every time I see an invite now <laughs> in my real job, I pretend I'm busy, and they say, well, Where are you going? I go, I don't know, anywhere. Just I just ah oh, they're so boring. Anyway. Look, let's get on with this. If you've got a question for Darren Rowe about your dog and the behavior that's going on, it could be you that needs correcting, not the dog. But you can ask Darren on 0800 844 747. Darren, this week, Newsroom ran an article looking at the increase on the, the incidence of off-lead dog bites. Yeah. Why are people so silly when it comes to letting their dog roam around parks and things without leads?
1: well i think to be honest people are silly um anyway <laughs> whether we're in the covid for sort the of 19 problem or not um the golden rule i think there's actually some quite strict bylines uh, bylaws sorry about this kind of thing you know if your dog doesn't have a solid recall then you shouldn't let it off lead yeah that's a simple rule and and that's half the problems but <clears throat> um i touched on this uh, um probably last year actually that when we when we take our dogs to the park we see it as a um just a way to let our dogs just run off and do what they want mm. but <coughs> Sorry, I've got a bit of, a bit of cough, but nothing too bad. Um, but um, it's, not, it's not the case. When we go to the park, we've actually still got to be focused on our dogs and still got to be really making sure we know exactly where they are because um, fights with dogs can happen in milliseconds and, and it can look like it's absolutely fine and then suddenly, boof, it just kicks off.
2: Horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Look, you've yeah, got that is. issue too. One of the other big issues that came up in the story on Newsroom is the pressure that veterinarians are under from stroppy customers. I yeah, guess, can I, you believe that? I don't know, I don't understand what that's all about, but anyway. Oh. Mm-hmm. We had a
1: little incident recently with one of our dogs, and we had to go to the vets. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, it's a hard time for them. So um, not only are they having to, to work where most people are being at home, which is one thing that, um, you know, it's not very nice for them, mm-hmm. but there's no excuse for, for being stroppy to, to vets. I mean, they're trying to provide a great service. And um, it's a hard one to do, isn't it, When in this situation? You know? It's
2: incredibly tough. The yeah, job of a vet is hard terrible. anyway, because they have the patient, which is the dog, and then they have have you as the owner. They've yeah. got to try and make both people happy. Well, one's not a yeah, person, think, one's a dog. I think
1: one of the main problems is that the, the vets will come and pick your dog up and take a dog in. I think people are getting stressy that they're not with their dogs. Mm. You know, these are, these are trained professional people around animals. They're not going to stress your dog out any more than they would do if you were there. In fact, you're probably going to stress the dog out more if you are there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So back it up. Back it up, people. Give the vets yeah, a bit of a break. Right. Now, I've heard something about dogs being used to detect coronavirus. Is this true? Well...
1: Yeah, there was an article that came out quite recently I found it quite interesting because I don't know
2: if people realise but
1: dogs are used quite a lot for sniffing um things. You see them in the airports and are sniffing for sweets and things like that. Yeah. Mm. And fruit and that kind of stuff. But they've actually been used um uh, for quite a while now to detect like things like malaria and cancer mm-hmm. and also um like Parkinson's which is is mad. And and I'm, I'm I've got a sort of like science background and, and, and each sort of um virus and uh bacteria has a particular smell when it's um, when it infects a human being and those dogs have like amazing noses, the, the, the scent cells in their nose, like and millions and millions of them. And, and what they can do is they can actually be trained to detect that smell. Mm. So the, the latest thought by uh, um, the, the London School of Hygiene and, and Tropical Medicine is that they could train if, now there's a big if here, if coronavirus actually has a, a unique smell, mm. and, and if it's like normal influenza, it does. Um, they, they're training their dogs to to, um, to sniff out that,
2: uh, that Incredible. smell. Incredible that
1: stuff. would that be fantastic? It yeah, would be fantastic.
2: Enough. One of the ironic things with coronavirus is that one of the first symptoms as a human is you lose your sense of taste. I'm not sure about smell, but oh, that's right. yeah, it's oh, okay. weird. Apparently oh, go. Wow. Yep.
1: Um, the other thing is that you can actually train a dog to um, detect changes in temperature as well. Um, mm. so, uh, so if you've got a fever, they can be so, so I think the the thoughts are it's probably not going to be done in time um, for this pandemic, if that makes sense. But once the pandemic has started to flatten out, and I think the idea is that these dogs will be in airports and, and ports and things like that to detect people coming into the country. Yeah, and, and they've had them um, with the with the malaria. They have they've like. Um, superseded the, um, the, the WHO standards for detection. So they're wow. pretty good. Dogs are amazing,
2: aren't they? <laughs> oh, they are. they are an incredible little thing. I just want a dog that actually puts the jug on and makes me a coffee in the morning. That's the kind of dog that I would well, buy. Would so cool. how, well, can, can, uh, how can dogs you... support us during this whole lockdown period?
1: Well, I mean, there's obviously the, the emotional control, isn't it, the emotional support. Now, dog, dogs are the most forgiving animals in the world, aren't they? You know, it doesn't matter how bad our day is, they're, they're always there. They're always happy to see us, generally mm. speaking. They always want a tickle and a stroke. So so there, there's been many studies about how um, stroking dogs and, and massaging dogs can, can lower your stress levels, which is really good. So that's certainly something that we, should, we need to uh, be thinking about. Um but one of the things that in the moment is happening is that the dogs are actually giving us a purpose and a focus, <laughs> which is quite interesting because yeah. normally, you know, at the moment we have so much time on our hands. That, I don't know about you, but I pro- I'm procrastinating terribly at the moment yeah. trying to do one thing then another thing another thing. <laughs> Whereas the dogs are actually focusing people down, like, let's go for a walk, let's do some training, let's go and do whatever with our dog. So oh, that's quite a good thing to, to keep that routine in place. Yeah, they'd be
2: us. absolutely loving it. Look, if you've got questions for Darren, don't be shy. He won't bite yeah, like a Jack Russell. <laughs> uh, no... <laughs> Well, actually, that's terrible. I shouldn't have said that. Jack no, Russell's out. Right, yeah.
1: They're a ferocious <laughs> little dog, that.
2: though. Hey. Yeah. Last time you
1: said that, we had about five people phoning each other. I know.
2: Yeah, everyone <laughs> right. gets so defensive. Every Terrier that I know thinks they're the size of a, a Rottweiler. They've got these big personalities, don't they?
1: Completely, yeah. And and the thing is with a dog, it, the, the size of a dog doesn't matter. It's what's inside the head that's going on. So, yeah, you buy a small dog thinking it's going to be an easy dog to look after and, and uh, not necessarily.
2: <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. All right, so it often begins with the training, and you can get some really good advice from Darren Rowe right now, 0800 844 747. <coughs> Darren, stick around because we're going to be joined by Angela Vale very soon from Footprint, and she's going to tell us the importance of actually having a will for your dog. Have you got one?
1: I do, actually, and I do have my dogs in it, yeah.
2: Good good Lord, I've never heard of this. Back soon here on the Sunday (laughs) Cafe. Keep the feedback coming on 3920. It's 14 past nine. If you are leaving your fortune, by the way, like Sean Plunkett, um, to your secret lover in the far north, maybe, and your piano to your nephew, that's okay. But what about your pets? Angela Vale is the head of the country's largest provider of online wills, Footprint. And she's here now with me on the Sunday Cafe. G'day, Angela, how are you?
0: Um, good, thanks. Hope
2: you're well. I'm very well. I've got a will. I don't have a dog, though, or a cat, so I'm okay on that front. But I was just asking uh, our, our current host um, guest, Darren Rove. He's got wills, and he says he has. Darren, what are your questions for Andrea?
1: Well, I would, um, one of the biggest questions I actually have is if, I've, if I leave my, my amazing fortune, I wish, um, to look after my dogs when I die, um, how do I make sure that money actually goes to the dogs?
0: Yes, you, you put it as part of uh, the clause. So if you're assuming that you had a conversation with who you, the person you would like to be the the caregiver or guardian, mm-hmm. um, and you have the money conversation and you talk about what the money is to be used for, etc., then in your will you gift that money to that person, and uh, yeah. there are conditions with that. So it's it's conditional on that they take the take their pet or animals, and um, they use that money accordingly.
2: And, and Angela, in- this is interesting because I don't think I've ever heard of a will for dogs or cats or whatever. Is this quite a new thing?
0: Um, putting a clause in a will for a pet isn't isn't new. It's been done for a long time, but it's certainly, you know, the requests for it have increased a lot, particularly over the last six months and even more so now with all the isolation you know, staff, uh, there's been a bit of a spike. I guess people are at home thinking about it more and, inc- and want to make sure that their pets are looked after if the worst <coughs> were to happen.
2: Okay. Is it true that pets are deemed to be relationship property?
0: Oh, it is. Like, I'm I'm a pet lover. My two dogs are trying to be quiet uh, upstairs, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm quite saddened by the fact that they're considered property, because for us, they're, they're definitely family. <coughs> but you're quite correct in that.
2: Okay. Darren, any other questions from you? Yeah, I was going to say, um, can, I, can I, like, set up a trust for my
1: dog?
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, good question. A lot of people have tried. You can't, really. <laughs> you can't. But, oh, but shame, no, it? no, no. No, it's like setting up a trust <laughs> in, in, in the law. It's like setting up a trust in yeah. your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's for, for a, my, an object. My fear
1: is... My, my ultimate fear is obviously my dogs are my life and my ultimate fear is that if anything does happen that someone will take my money and although how do I police, I can't obviously but how do you police that the dogs are being looked after that's the concern isn't it? Whereas a trust yeah. would be one way to do that maybe.
0: Yes, well again you yeah. can, can set up um, not the trust for the animal, um, you know the, for your pet, so if your pet's I don't know your pet's name, Bob. Uh, you can't set up the trust for Bob, but you, again, you can set up uh, clauses in the, the gifting of the money mm. to whoever yeah. the caretaker is, and it's under those conditions. And so those conditions are quite specific. All, All
2: right. right. Angela Vale from Footprints, the country's biggest providers of wills for pets. How many people actually take out wills for their pets?
0: Well, it's not taking out a will for the pet. It's including the pet in their will. All right. Right, and so, um, you know, again, it's been been growing and growing. So, you know, at this point, it's probably about 30%, but we're seeing an increase uh, at the moment, so it'll be interesting to see where that lands.
2: Yeah, I bet. Hey, what say, here's a little scenario for, I've been playing this through in my head, what say you're not a cat or a dog fan and you get left your crazy aunt Fanny from Fairley's cat collection?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, again, it's I like, guess it's like receiving any type of property gift. Mm-hmm. You would have to have uh, a conversation, and and with, you know the other beneficiaries, etc. And let's not forget for a for a pet, it's assuming when you put uh, you know the guardian of this pet when you pass away, it's assuming that the, your partner, if you have one, a spouse, isn't alive because automatically. Uh, the ownership would transfer to your spouse. So it's, the clause is assuming that your partner isn't alive upon your death. All
2: right, Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs and Angela Vale here from Footprint, both here to take your questions on 0800 844 747. Darren, have you got another question there? Um,
1: I did. Um, I did a little bit of research actually. And I was um, reading on on, on, the, on the internet about that wealth of knowledge, and obviously it's all true. There was a, um, an American uh, a black Labrador that got left to somebody, and they, they summed, I think they left like twenty five thousand dollars a year, which is quite a lot of money. And, and apparently, these people, um, the dog died about a year later, and um, it kept. They kept getting another dog, pretending that it was the same dog, and it went on for like twenty five years or something like that. <laughs> How can you protect yourself against something like that? Because that could be your whole fortune, just damaged, couldn't it?
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, look, I guess you would have to, I mean, in terms of uh, clauses, you'd want to wrap that into the clause. So uh, if you want to put protections of having somebody come and, uh, as you've said before, police that, you can yeah. potentially put that in the clause, but you'd have to give some real thought to that, wouldn't you? Because I suppose
1: you could do um, like regular vet checks or something like that, maybe, couldn't you? It could be a way of doing
0: that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's just a matter of having those conversations and uh, you know, thinking about that if you want to put those mm. sorts of protections in, and then that yeah. can be written in.
2: Angela, what say we're talking more about, I mean, I know that most people regard pets as being cats and dogs, but what say you've got a beloved alpaca that you've trained to fetch the paper? <laughs> is your service for, for more than just cats and dogs?
0: Yes, it is. It, it doesn't refer specifically to the pet type, mm. because every pet, you know, it can be different. You can have it, all sorts. And uh, so, yeah, it, it accommodates any, any type of pet. And again, you know, there's, there's recommendations, you need to have those conversations with the person you're thinking about giving the, the guardianship to, you need to have the money talk, you need to have the health talk. So, for example, you know, we recommend that you put together uh, a, a list of medical requirements, pr- preferences, feed, all of those sorts of care instructions. You put all these things together. With us, you'd put them in the digital vault with mm-hmm. your will. You know, So you'd want to be taking in you know, all aspects, as if, as if it was your child. It would be the same thing, okay. you know, if it was your child.
2: You've talked about this being part of an ordinary will, but if I go to my lawyer and talk about wanting to keep my budgies in a will and all that sort of carry on, are they going to look at me like I'm bonkers? Will they charge <laughs> me more? Is it an, 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 is it an additional cost is what I'm saying?
0: Well, anything that takes more time is usually an additional cost. For footprint, because we work off... Uh, Uh, Templates, or legally approved templates, it's in there, so there's no extra time uh, when it comes to putting your will together. But anything that does go in as extra in your will, like every item, uh, becomes part of your estate and you're having to have an executor manage your estate and your affairs. So the more that's in there, the more time it takes and the more costly it is to administer your estate. So your lawyer uh, is... If they're having to put clauses that don't already exist in, will probably uh, charge you more. It depends on your relationship, uh, but it will go. It will cost a little bit more in your estate to, ha- to have it managed.
2: Have you got any experience that you can talk to us about when it comes to divorce settlements? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably uh, not many I could draw upon without. Uh, been awkward. <laughs> Go on, tell us one. Just change
2: the names. Go on.
0: <laughs> and well, you know, you've got to. Uh, all I can say is, you know, common sense, a good communication count, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, when <clears throat> when it comes to uh, divorce, there's certain things in your will that automatically become void, right? And uh, if you're not aware of what becomes void when you get divorced, you, it can cause certainly arguments down the line or surprises. Uh, down the line so what i would say is you know be very aware of what's in your will and as your life changes uh, as pets come in and out as people come in and out you need to have an understanding of how this impacts your will and
2: your final wishes do you know what angela it's quite an extraordinary thing the more i think about it the more important what footprint does it becomes more important because you know i've been through the situation of being married for 22 years and we had animals and at the end of the day it became a question of oh um, what about the Border Terrier? And there was no way I was giving up Max. He was mine. Mm. you know. So you yeah. do need to think these things through. So it's a good idea. Ange- Angela Vale, the Chief Executive Officer from Footprints, how do people get in touch to get this added into their will or talk to you about doing that?
0: Oh, we're online, so you can look us up on My Footprint. Just jump, jump on Google. <laughs> and um, you, you can have a look for yourself. There's information on the website. Mm. Uh, our contact details are there. You can give us a ring. Uh, easy just uh, just look us up and you know we're there to to take any calls uh, Monday to Friday there'll be somebody on the phones Genius and way. otherwise there is plenty of
2: information on the website yeah really good thank you so much for your time on the Sunday cafe that's Angela Vale the company's called Footprint just look online you'll find it think about it think about it I mean seriously you both love that poochie Hey? Eh? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's going to get the pooch when things fall to pieces? It's a horrible thought, Darren, but you do have to think ahead, don't you?
1: Yeah, I've always said that um, my wife gets the naughty ones and I get the good ones. <laughs> oh God,
2: a... <laughs> hey, hang on, you've got more than seven, so oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, we've got a fair few, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it would be a bit of a bit of an ordeal, so we don't ever want to go
2: there. <laughs> Darren not. Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs, 0800 844 747. If you've got a question around dog behaviour or just your lack of ability to get the dog to understand what you're trying to train it to do, that's really the key to it sometimes, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It's that clear line of communication, isn't it, with the dogs? We we quite often think that we're telling the dog the right thing, and in fact, we're we're almost telling it the opposite. And then we're getting frustrated when it's not doing what we tell it, but it's actually doing exactly the right thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, all right. There's a text here. Someone's texting to say, hello, what do I do with my lovely dog at home? She's bursting with energy and becomes a, a bit mental when she sees other dogs. Not aggressive normally, just playful.
1: Yeah, that, that's going to be a problem actually as we come out of lockdown when we suddenly throw all these dogs into the park to play. They're just going to be so excited to see their buddies that they're just going to end up escalating and their excitement is going to get so much that so they can't control it and then it could potentially turn into sort of nastiness. So I think we need to be a little bit careful when we do release our dogs, let the dogs out, as they say, um, to to make sure we're moderating their, their stress levels and their, their excitement levels. Mm-hmm. So just small parts and then put them back on lead and let them go again and let them play. Um, yeah, the, the best... It's a hard one, isn't it? I, I use um, tuggy toys. So we take the dogs out and we play tuggy, and we can tire our dogs out in like 10 minutes playing tuggy, and they're mentally and physically um, tired. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a good way of doing it. You don't need to run a dog for hours to get rid of energy.
2: i tell you one thing that might be an issue at the moment because people are literally stuck at home for weeks and weeks at a time. They might want to change the fact that their dog is inside. Do dogs understand it when you suddenly decide they're not an indoor dog?
1: <clears throat> yeah, um, I have a that's a bit of a bugbear for me. Um, indoor dogs, outdoor dogs, and indoor dogs. I've, I've never heard that um, idea until I came here, yeah. um, came to New Zealand. But. And- for me, an outdoor dog is a dog that was indoors, didn't behave well, and got kicked out. <laughs> That's normally the case. So so you, you've got to be careful because they're going to rebel, aren't they? If they're indoors now playing all the time with you guys, and then you suddenly kick them out when you go to work, they're going to start barking. Um, it actually touches on something that I think is going to be quite a big issue that we need to think about is separation anxiety. Mm. We've got our dogs with us now for, I don't know, four weeks, or whatever it is, maybe even longer, depending on what happens on Monday. And when that suddenly changes, and we, we're not going to ease in gently, aren't we? We're just suddenly going to leave. And they're going to be barking and barking. So I, I kind of like want to ask people to be a little bit tolerant of their neighbour's dog when it starts barking when we come out of lockdown because the, na- the neighbour's not there. Just give the dogs a bit of time to get used to the new fact that they haven't got loads of people around them. You don't go plain complaining to the council straight away. You know, give them a
2: chance. Drives you nuts, though, doesn't it, when someone's dog just barks all day?
1: But it's going to happen. It's going to happen, because we've got these dogs changing their situations again when they're used to having their family around, and then suddenly they're all gone. Yeah, They're going to get worried.
2: Yeah. One thing also that might be an issue for people they're seeing more because people are at home more is that dogs challenge people for spots that they deem to be theirs, like that spot on the couch. And one of the biggest attackers of children are Labradors, and that's only because they're a very commonly owned dog, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. There's, there's quite a few of them. Uh, I think the stats in America said it was a Labrador the most the atta- most the most likely dog to attack. Um- it's called resource guarding, and, and it's something that you, you need to be quite uh, um, vigilant of, especially in, in this sort of time when we're locked down. A, a dog will see something that's a resource, um, and if it doesn't get it very often, we can cause a resource. So if, if I give a dog a toy, but I only give it to it and occasionally, it becomes a really valued resource, right? If then that toy goes down, and that dog's a little bit, um, likes that so much, he doesn't want to give it up, he'll, he'll defend that, and it normally happens with food. Um, so so the last thing you do when you've got a resource guarder is take the resource away from them, because if you think about that, it's like taking taking the, the toy off the kid they want it even more
2: mm.
1: so so you you have to make sure that you you that resource is freely available and it doesn't become a guarded resource yeah
2: makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. something else that people may want, want to try if they've grown up with dogs like I have and I've never understood a dog that pulls almost choking itself on a lead is maybe <laughs> changing to a harness Darren
1: yeah definitely I think definitely a harness. I am mean, see, see the dogs walking down the road here and they're they're I mean, there's going to be a few problems with necks and um, sort of garroted dogs. I think is the right word. Um, certainly, harnesses. Always, use, I personally always use a harness, unless you've got a dog that walks absolutely perfect on a lead, uh, on a on a collar. Always a harness. Um it's just much nicer, isn't it, if you think about it, just the whole thing. You're trying to build a nice relationship with your dog, and when you're going and sort of almost breaking his neck every time he goes for a walk.
2: Here's a quick text for you, Darren. How can I stop my two dogs barking madly when anyone comes onto the property, even when they see I know the person? They won't stop. It's becoming quite stressful.
1: Um, so... It depends. I mean, there's always two sides to training. There's always a physical side and there's always a a training side, a behavioural side. So the first thing I always look at is the physical side and say, can I change the physical environment to stop the dogs from having access to that particular area? Because that's one way of doing it. Okay. Um, Then I can start to bring that that, um, situation back into play, but under my control. And then I can start to do the behavioural stuff. Mm. But until you can take it away from them, it's really hard to sort of stop it. yeah, without seeing the whole situation, it's quite a hard one. But you can teach a dog to bark. Um, you can go online you can find lots of things. It's a really sort of dangerous thing because you end up, you can teach him to bark even more. But you can teach him to bark and then you can teach him to not bark, if that
2: makes sense. Good so ball. that's something you could look at. Well, the yeah. man who can help you with that is Darren Rowe <laughs> from Mindfulness for Dogs. How do people find you, Darren?
1: Um, you can find me on Facebook, and please do at the moment, because I've got my two gorgeous little puppies online um, um, pictures on there, and I want some uh, help with naming them. So please go on there, you can find my Facebook, Mindfulness for Dogs, or you can find me on the website,
2: Yeah, Brilliant. Darren, thank you so much for being here and part of the, the Sunday Cafe team. Much appreciated.
0: You've been listening to Darren Rowe on the Mindful Dog, giving our canine friends a voice throughout the world. To find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.mindfulnessfordogs.com.